Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instructions, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. two virtues at work in today's gospel, the first being justice and the second being charity. When we talk about justice, we talk about obligations and duties that you owe to other people, but especially God first. And when we talk about charity, we talk about love, but true love, love where you expend yourself in service of God or in of your neighbor. And in this gospel, we find Jesus teaching a man who's seeking the truth, a man who knew the law, so it's no surprise that he answered correctly when he orders his life in the right way, that you should love God first and then love your neighbor as yourself. And in doing this, the man shows that he wants to love God more, 
that he wants to follow in his ways and live correctly. But the law isn't enough, as our Lord shows us. Uh, just to put a little bit of context in it, uh, when the Jews talk about law, they can mean one of two things. Uh, the first way is moral law. So think Ten Commandments. If you break one of the Ten Commandments, then you do something evil, and we call that a sin. Uh, but they also have all these purity laws. So if you're reading through the book of Leviticus or Numbers, and they say, you know, don't eat uh, lobster or the, all these other little things like that. You can't touch blood. Um, these are purity laws. They don't change your relationship with God like sin does. Like sin can cut you off from grace complete, completely if it's bad enough. Um, they just change the way that you interact with other people. So if you become impure, you interact with society differently and you also interact with God differently based on that. Um, you could think of Mary and her period of purification after giving birth to Jesus. Uh, childbirth is a good thing. It is far from being sinful. But because of these purity laws, she had to wait a month before taking our Lord to the temple to present him. So that's kind of the two things that are at play there. And going through, uh, we see two examples of what not to do and an example of what we should do. And to put it in context for you, the priest who crossed over on the opposite side, if he is a priest from the second temple period, then his job is to offer sacrifice. If he doesn't offer sacrifice, then he doesn't get paid. Um, and when you think about that, then it kind of makes sense that he wouldn't do that uh, because he'd be one out of a job for a while, and if he has a family to support, then he can support them. And two, that he also has to offer up a heifer, so a very pricey animal to, in sacrifice to our Lord, so he can become pure and then get back into work. Um, and then you can see that he wants to avoid even a drop of blood by passing on the opposite side. With a Levite, it's similar, uh, in the sense that, you know, Levite being the priestly tribe, and uh, he, would, uh, he would have had cer certain service to the temple, not in the same way as the priest, but kind of for different periods, short periods of time. So kind of like John the Baptist's father doing a little, uh, doing some work there when the angel Gabriel appeared to him. Uh, and he also would have been out of work and would have had to offer a sacrifice to become pure again. Um, but the Samaritan, uh, I don't know if you know who Samaritans were, but they, uh, the Jews, they were, had two kingdoms, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And then the Babylonian exile took place and the Babylonians moved all of them to Babylon into the east. Uh, however, some of the Jews stayed behind. Uh, but when they stayed behind, the, they mixed their cult with, uh, with the pagans that were in the area. So in this sense, you can understand why the Jews hated Samaritans, because they had the truth and because they lost it. They especially lost a lot of those purity laws that uh, you see so often in the Old Testament. Uh, and but the Samaritan is the most unlikely of heroes in this, and he is the one who ends up getting charity right. Uh, you know, the first two, did they remain pure? Yeah, they, they were clean according to the law. But by a sin of omission, they, they were going to let a man die. Um, and this is just not correct, as our Lord shows us. That the Samaritan is the one who gives true charity, who offers himself up. He gives him... Uh, the animal 
his animals, so he has to walk the rest of the way into town. He takes him to an inn and cares for him, bandages his wounds, takes his own time, spends his own money, and offers to you know, even pay for whatever money uh, that is used while he's gone. So even when he's not in his presence, he's still under his care. And this is really what charity is. It's spending yourself for the other person. It's using everything at your disposal to serve God and to serve your neighbor. And there's a, a tomb at St. Peter's Basilica that really exemplifies this. So if you're looking at the very front altar and you have the alabaster window with the Holy Spirit, the tomb immediately to the north uh, it has two women at each end of the tomb. And one figure represents charity, the other represents justice. And justice is sitting there, she kind of is, you know, has her head resting on her, uh, on her hand, like it's a really heavy head. And then her gaze is sort of looking out, uh, and her arm is resting on the axe, which is a sign of her authority. But it's kind of languid there, um, and she just looks bored. She looks like she has no vigor in her life. And then contrast this with charity on the opposite side. Charity is represented by a woman who looks almost like she's in movement, especially compared to uh, justice on the other side. She has a child in her arms, and she has two children at the, the hem of her dress, and they both look like they're tugging at her dress. She looks anything but bored. Uh, and she looks down lovingly at them, ready to tend to their needs. And this is the contrast. That justice and the law without charity is boring. It's obligations. But charity, when you infuse charity into the law, when you take it to the next level, like the Beatitudes, we find that we can use our creativity, we can use our intellects, we can use all the different powers and faculties that God has given us to do good for other people. And we can have fun with it too. And it's not a law that binds us that we have to do this. Um, but we have to be aware of sins of omission. If God is offering for us to do something good, we should take him up on that offer. It's an invitation to something better. And just a, a couple, couple side notes. Uh, I haven't been to this Mass before, so just introduce myself. My name is Father Frank Furman. Uh, you can call me Father Frank, or you can call me Father Furman if you don't want to confuse me with the other Father Frank. Um, uh, yeah, and I spent, uh, what was it, the past seven years in seminary doing studies. I uh, studied three years in Boston, and then the past four years have been in Rome, and the past most recent two years have been in moral theology. So if you have moral questions, uh, I can get you some sort of answer on those. And uh, yeah, now I'm here, and I'm happy to be your priest. Uh, but on a more somber note, the uh, second announcement is that Father Matt will not be returning. Um, he's taking an extended leave of absence, and he's grateful for his time here. There's, uh, he left a letter for all of us in the bulletin, um, so after Mass you can go ahead and, and read what he has to say. Um, but just, just keep him in prayer as he keeps all of us in prayer, um, and just pray that uh, you know, he transitions and has a good movement forward as he gets back into ministry.